Paul seeks to explain the kind of walk that you and I as believers ought to have. The kind of walk that you and I as saints ought to have. And he starts by stating emphatically that believers are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. This is a categorical statement. If you're saved, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. That's a fact. We are, we are not unsaved. We are saved and we ought to act like it. We ought not to walk after the flesh. That's his point here. The unsaved are in the flesh and they cannot please God. You and I who are saved are not in the flesh, we're in the spirit. And therefore we can please God. Why? As he goes on, he says, But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And the word, if so. Paul seeks to explain the kind of walk that you and I as believers ought to have. The kind of walk that you and I as saints ought to have. And he starts by stating emphatically that believers are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. This is a categorical statement. If you're saved, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. That's a fact. We are, we are not unsaved. We are saved and we ought to act like it. We ought not to walk after the flesh. That's his point here. The unsaved are in the flesh and they cannot please God. You and I who are saved are not in the flesh, we're in the spirit. And therefore we can please God. Why? As he goes on, he says, But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And the word if so be there is the, can be translated also seeing. Seeing that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Since the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Apostle says, we are not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit. And since the Spirit of God dwells in us, we ought not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. As believers, you and I are not to walk fleshly walks. We're not to have a fleshly life. You and I are not to walk an empty, fruitless life. You and I are supposed to walk the life of the Spirit. And the reason for that is because the indwelling Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, is the distinguishing characteristic of the saint. The prerequisite, if you like. For being in the spirit and not in the flesh is that you and I must have a presence, experience of God's Holy Spirit indwelling us. Or to put it simply, we must be saved. In order for you and I to walk in the spirit, then we must be saved. That's what he's saying in a roundabout way. In, in the words he says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God dwell in you. If God's Spirit dwells in you, then you are saved. You're in the Spirit. And the word dwell here, in verse 9, as he goes on to say, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. The word dwell here is from the Greek word, which is for house. To walk after the Spirit, we must first be the house of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here. You and I must be the house of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle is saying 
that the Spirit of God dwells in the Christian as a man lives or dwells in a certain place in a home or in a house. At salvation, the moment you and I are saved, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us and from that moment we are in the Spirit. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. We're bought with a price and because we are His, the Spirit of God is, dwells in us. He's, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if then we are the house of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, and He does if you're saved, then we are in the Spirit. And Paul makes a final comment here in verse 9 to, to sum up this thought so that you and I clearly understand what he's talking about. Because he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If a man does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he just is not saved. The distinguishing factor between being saved and unsaved is the indwelling Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God does not dwell within you, then you're not saved. If the Spirit of God dwells within you, then you're saved. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the definitive answer to whether we're saved or not. One commentator put it this way, the indwelling of the Spirit is the grand evidence of relation to God. It's the grand evidence that you and I are related to God, that you and I are in Christ. Now we need to understand here in verse 9 that the Apostle is describing every Christian, every born again believer is here. Any born again believer is here. This is not some special group of people he's talking about. This is not talking about some elite group of saved people. This is talking about any born again believer, anybody who's saved. The truth of the matter is the Spirit of God dwells in us. Whether you're five years of age or 55 or 85 or 95 or 105 or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter. If you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you and you are therefore in Christ. Because if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you're not saved. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If a man has not the Spirit of Christ, God does not own that man. If a man has the Spirit of Christ, then Christ owns him and he belongs to Christ. That's a glorious truth. For you and I who walk as believers in this life, this glorious truth is true. The Spirit of God indwells us. For those of us who are saved, it's not just the fact that you and I have had our sins forgiven, not just that we're redeemed and justified. God has given you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower you and I to be sanctified. 
And it's true of every one of us who are saved. He indwells us. But it's also true that not everyone who is saved lives like it. And that's what Paul is discussing here. He's stating a doctrinal fact. That if you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're in Christ. And you're not in the flesh. But just because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we automatically live like it. Many a believer throughout history has the indwelling Holy Spirit, but then has lived a carnal life. We saw Lot this morning. Righteous Lot who vexed, uh, sorry, Lot who vexed his righteous soul. He was a man who was saved, but he lived a carnal life. So the reality is, everyone who is saved has this truth as a reality in their life. They are in Christ because the Spirit of God dwells in them. But not everybody who is saved lives like it, even though we ought to live like it. So having established the fact of the Spirit's indwelling, Paul goes on to outline again the dichotomy that exists between the flesh and the Spirit which is already addressed in the first part of this chapter, but now he wants to deal with it again. And he does so by way of the application of the life with the Spirit. Look in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwell dwelleth in you. Notice it says, if Christ is in you, we have life. That is what it says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. Is life because of righteousness. If Christ is in us, if we're saved, if we have the indwelling Holy Spirit then we have life. And if Christ be in you, if you're one of His, then you and I now have, on the one hand, the fact that the body is dead on account of sin, and on the other hand, the Spirit is life on account of righteousness. The unsaved person has no choice. They're in the flesh. And all they can do is do fleshly things. They can only achieve fleshly outcomes. They can only do that which the flesh would have them to do. They're in the flesh. But those of us who are saved, who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, the body is dead, it says, because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So on the one hand... For you and I who are saved, on the one hand, the body is dead. But on the other hand, you and I find that the spirit, that we have life, because the spirit of life is in us. Now these are the two old adversaries. The body or the flesh, and the spirit. This battle between the flesh and the spirit. 
And Paul here once again repeats himself. As he has done in the past for emphasis, because the body of the flesh has sin in it. And because the body in the flesh has sin in it, it is dead. Now the phrase it is dead here means it has no value. Because we know this body is very much alive. That's why we're alive. If this body was dead physically, you and I would be dead physically. Okay, Because when somebody dies, it's this body that dies. This is what gets old. This is what deteriorates. This is what's put in the ground. So when he's talking about death here in this verse, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, he's talking about it in, in the spiritual sense. He's talking about it in relationship sense. He's trying to explain to you and I that it's dead on account of sin. It cannot produce anything of value. It cannot produce anything of life. But on the other hand, if Christ, by His Spirit, be in us, which he is because we're saved, then we have life. For he is life. That's what it says in verse 10. It says, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. He is life. And because he indwells in us, he gives us life. He has quickened us. And he alone is the source of our power for holy and godly living. The flesh, the body is dead. It cannot produce anything of value to God. But you and I can be thankful that dwelling within us is the Spirit of God and He is life. And He empowers you and I to live godly, holy lives. Now the truth is that we will get no help for godly living from the flesh. This old flesh is the remnant of the old nature. The old nature is dead, but the flesh remains. And this flesh craves fleshly things. And you and I will get no help for godly living from the flesh. If you and I want to entertain the appetite of the flesh, then you and I will simply live fleshly lives. And by the way, a lot of the appetite of the flesh may not be sinful in and of itself. But the flesh thrives on those things that are worldly. They may not be sinful. And if that becomes the controlling factor in our lives, then you and I will not live godly. We can't depend upon the flesh for godly living. For the body is dead because of sin. One commentator said this, It is to be considered as lifeless and inert so far as ability to produce fruit for God in our lives is concerned. The body is dead because of sin. As I said, not actually, but judicially. This body can do nothing to please God. Therefore, we're not to expect anything of it. You know, the truth is, the strong body does not necessarily mean a strong saint. Nor does a weak body and a feeble body mean a weak and feeble saint. 
physical strength makes no difference to how spiritual you and I are. You can be the strongest person, you can be the healthiest person, you can be the most vibrant, physically alive person on the planet. But that does not make you a good saint. You may be the most sickly person that exists. You may spend most of your time in bed, unable to get out of the bed because your body is weak and frail, and yet you can be the most powerful saint on the planet. Because physical health, physical strength, does not determine what we are as believers. The body cannot produce anything of value. Now this is not to ignore or undervalue the body, for the body, of course, has also been purchased by the blood of Christ. Well, if we have fruitful lives... It's because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because that's what verse 10 says. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life. As you and I yield to the leading of the Spirit, He then produces in us life. That abundant life that John chapter 11 talks about. He came to give life and give it to us more abundantly and you and I can have the abundant, fulfilling life that Christ intends for you and I to have because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Note what verse 11 says. But if the Spirit of Him that raised of Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised of Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So, as I said, we don't want to ignore or undervalue the body and this statement about the, fa- the body is dead, the flesh is not going to aid us, you and I in doing anything spiritual. And yet verse 11 tells us that if the Spirit dwells in us, then we can have a fruitful life because of the Spirit. Now there are two possible ways of interpreting Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The first way to interpret this verse, that the, where it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. That phrase in particular, shall, quicken, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Firstly, the first possible way of interpreting this is that the Holy Spirit, as the, that life-giving force within us, produces life in our sinful flesh, in our dead flesh as well. This flesh that you and I have, which is spiritually dead due to sin, verse 10 and also parts of verse, uh, the rest of the chapter 8 and chapter 7, what it's saying here in this first way of interpreting is this, that this flesh, which is spiritually dead due to sin, can now actually be the vehicle of spiritual fruit due to the Spirit's indwelling in us. Because the Spirit indwells as us, because the Spirit is life through righteousness, then you and I can do acts of spiritual vibrancy, do things that are spiritually vibrant even in this dead body for the glory of God. Go to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. 
And come as we read verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with, all, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Tells us here in verse 10 that we're to walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing. So why? So we might be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. The indwelling Holy Spirit strengthens you and I so that you with all might, so that you and I might indeed live according to his glorious power, that you and I might have fruitful, beneficial lives. Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit within you and I, it's possible to bring glory to God even in these bodies that are dead because of sin. Now you and I need to remember, we can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the Spirit. If we walk after the flesh, it produces death. If you and I give in to fleshly lusts, if you and I give in to the fleshly desires, if you and I allow the flesh to rule our lives, the product of that is death. It's empty. It's pointless. It's of no value. But you and I are supposed to walk in the Spirit. And when you and I walk in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God quickens us, makes us alive, so that in these bodies we can now bring glory to God. We can produce fruit because He produces life in us. God wants us to produce life so that He, uh, so he has given to us the Holy Spirit to produce that life in us. You know, the Holy Spirit has given us the power to live for him. Go with me to Second Peter, please. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. According as his divine power, this is the Holy Spirit, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside all this, giving all diligence, <coughs> add your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and so on. It says there in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to you and I all things that pertain, everything you and I need for life and godliness, has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So these exceeding and great and precious promises, you and I might be partakers of the divine nature. And by partaking of the divine nature, you and I now have the power, because we're in Christ, to live for God. He has, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, given to us all that we need to please Him. 
even though this old body, this flesh is destined to die, and this flesh is destined, if the Lord doesn't come back first, this flesh is destined to go to the ground and to rot, and dust to dust, and we're going to return to dust, and our bodies will rot, our bones will rot, and eventually if the time lasts long enough, you and I will no longer be found, no evidence of us. Even though this body is destined to die and destined to be put in the ground because of sin, God says, because He has given you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit, because we're the partakers of the divine nature, because you and I are in Christ, the Spirit of God now gives you and I life, gives life to that body which is dead, so that we might serve God. It's not as though you and I are lugging around this body day by day and this body is useless for God's purposes. And everything we want to do for God has got to be done in the mind and in the heart because the body's useless. And we're dragging around this old shell and it just is pointless. It can't do anything for God. It's true, it's dead. And if we live in the flesh, it will be produced dead works. But God says, I've given to you my indwelling Holy Spirit. You're partakers of the divine nature. You're in Christ. I've made you alive. And I can even quicken that mortal body. I'll quicken it to enable you in the flesh to serve me. Romans 8, 11 assures us that this empowering is possible because the same Spirit that raised up Christ dwells us. Look in verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. <laughs> the same spirit, the, the same power that rose Christ from the grave, the same power that gave him life again, is the same power that indwells you and I. That's an amazing truth. You and I have living within us the Holy Spirit and with him comes the resurrection power. The power to resurrect Christ from the dead is the same power at our disposal to live for him. And with that same power, he can enable this old dead flesh to honor God. Now, don't get excited. Nothing probably will. But, you know, that's exciting for you and I as believers. He that raised Christ to life has the power to give life to you and I. He that restored Christ to life will restore spiritual life to you and me. And the argument here in verse 11 is founded in two things. It's founded in the power of God, which is the Spirit of God which raised Christ from the dead, and on the connection that we have between Christ and and us. Because you and I are in Christ, you and I have access to that resurrection power. John fourteen nineteen says, Because I live, Christ said, ye shall also live. Because I live, ye shall live also. Because Jesus Christ lives in us, the Spirit of God will live out of us his salvation through us, even through our mortal bodies. Notice in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says that the indwelling of the Spirit has quickened our mortal bodies. 
so that we can now please him in our bodies. Here the Apostle Paul gives to us some encouragement. If Christ's Spirit dwells in us, and it does, since we're saved, there is strength within us to live for him. No believer can say, I do not have the strength to live for Christ. No matter how feeble our body might be, none of us can say that I do not have the strength, the spiritual strength to live for Christ because each and every one of us have the indwelling Holy Spirit and with that indwelling Holy Spirit, resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ to life is the same power that exists in you and me. We have the power at our disposal to live godly for Him even in this flesh. If God's Spirit lives within us, then He has quickened us, He's made us alive so that we might live for Him in these bodies. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is the idea that the indwelling Holy Spirit would be so evident in our lives, that His presence will be so evident in our lives, that He will make our lives productive for His glory. So the first possible meaning of Romans eight eleven is that the Holy Spirit produces life in our sinful, dead flesh. The second possible meaning of Romans chapter eight and verse eleven, where it says. There at the end in particular, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you, is that it is referring to the resurrection of our bodies. It is possible that the, in this it is possible that in view here is that time when you and I will be changed, when you and I will be glorified. That the same power which rose up Christ from the dead is the same power that will raise these bodies to glory. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we having a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens... For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Here we have this glorious truth of the resurrection body. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 puts it this way, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like in his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And one day you and I are going to receive a glorified body. One day he will quicken these mortal bodies 
We will. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which will live remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We shall all be changed. We're told in 1 Corinthians. This mortal shall put on immortality. So which of these two possible interpretations of Romans 8.11 is correct? Well, perhaps both are. That is, the while in this body, the indwelling spirit will bring life where there is deadness. He will make the flesh produce spiritual fruit. But when he comes to take us home to glory, when the time comes for you and I to leave this world, he will bring about that great change. And this corruptible will put on incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15, please. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abound the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Perhaps both are correct. That while we're here in this body, when you and I walk in the Spirit, He quickens us and makes us alive and he enables this old flesh to live godly for him. But one day, total glorification will take place. And you and I will see the corruption put an incorruption. Concomitator said this, Here on earth the Spirit's ministry preserves our mortal bodies. At his second coming it will change them. What Paul is saying here is then, that the Holy, indwelling Holy Spirit ought to make a difference in our body and in our flesh. That our walk, now that we're saved, ought to be empowered by His Spirit. But unfortunately, that's not always true for the saint. Many saints walk in the flesh. Many believers are carnal, even though we don't have to be, even though we don't have to walk in the flesh, after the flesh, many believers do live there rather than pursuing the Spirit. Life in Christ ought to be an abundant life. It ought to be a righteous life. And because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, He makes it possible for you and I to live that abundant life fruitful life that brings glory to God if we but surrender to Him. You know, the secret to living a Christian life is not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's the Spirit who will quicken us. It's the Spirit who gives us strength to live. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the indwelling Holy Spirit alone is the agent of life. Daily we should yield to the Spirit's leading. 
But when we do, our lives will be fruitful. Our lives will be purposeful. Our lives will bring glory to God. Our lives will fulfill His purpose in us until He takes us home to glory. Beloved, we ought to praise God tonight that we're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And because the Spirit of God dwells in us, we can live our lives to His glory by His power day by day. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. Lord, we know that he, uh, here you repeat yourself. Uh, but Lord, it seems obvious to me at least that the reason you repeat these truths is because these truths are so important. These truths can be so easily misunderstood. These truths are so vital to us having productive lives. Lives that... When we get to glory, we'll hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lives that when our works are judged, they will be as by fire. They will not be found to be wood, hay and stubble, but found to be gold, silver and precious stones. That Lord, we would live those empowered lives by the Spirit of God, so that one day when we stand on heaven's shore, we might have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. Lord, we know that you spend so much time in your word, not just in Romans, but throughout the whole New Testament, explaining, Father God, to us this matter of walking in the Spirit. Lord, help us as believers to understand the truth, to surrender the Spirit, and allow Him to live out your life, your salvation in us, to your glory day by day. Commend your word to us now, we pray, and bless as we close with the hymn. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing 171 as we close. Paul seeks to explain the kind of walk that you and I as believers ought to have. The kind of walk that you and I as saints ought to have. And he starts by stating emphatically that believers are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. This is a categorical statement. If you're saved, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. That's a fact. We are, we are not unsaved. We are saved, and we ought to act like it. We ought not to walk after the flesh. That's his point here. The unsaved are in the flesh, and they cannot please God. You and I who are saved are not in the flesh, we're in the spirit, and therefore we can please God. Why? As he goes on, he says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. And the word if so be there is the, can be translated also seeing, seeing that the spirit of God dwell in you. Since the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the apostle says, we are not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit. And since the Spirit of God dwells in us, we ought not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. As believers, you and I are not to walk fleshly walks. We're not to have a fleshly life. You and I are not to walk an empty, fruitless life. You and I are supposed to walk the life of the Spirit. 
And the reason for that is because the indwelling Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, is the distinguishing characteristic of the saved. The prerequisite, if you like, for being in the Spirit and not in the flesh is that you and I must have a presence, experience of God's Holy Spirit indwelling us. Or to put it simply, we must be saved. In order for you and I to walk in the Spirit, then we must be saved. That's what he's saying in a roundabout way. In, in the words he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. If God's Spirit dwells in you, then you are saved. You're in the Spirit. And the word dwell here, in verse 9, as he goes on to say, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. The word dwell here is from the Greek word, which is for house. To walk after the Spirit, we must first be the house of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here. You and I must be the house of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle is saying that the Spirit of God dwells in the Christian as a man lives or dwells in a certain place in a home or in a house. At salvation, the moment you and I are saved, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us and from that moment we are in the Spirit. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. We're bought with a price and because we are His, the Spirit of God is, dwells in us. He's, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if then we are the house of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, and He does if you're saved, then we are in the Spirit. And Paul makes a final comment here in verse 9 to, to sum up this thought so that you and I clearly understand what he's talking about. Because he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. If a man does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he just is not saved. The distinguishing factor between being saved and unsaved is the indwelling Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God does not dwell within you, then you're not saved. If the Spirit of God dwells within you, then you're saved. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the definitive answer to whether we're saved or not. One commentator put it this way, the indwelling of the Spirit is the grand evidence of relation to God. It's the grand evidence that you and I are related to God, that you and I are in Christ. Now we need to understand here in verse 9 that the Apostle is describing every Christian, every born-again believer is here. Any born-again believer is here. This is not some special group, group of people he's talking about. This is not talking about some elite group of saved people. This is talking about any born-again believer, anybody who's saved. The truth of the matter is the Spirit of God dwells in us. 
whether you're five years of age or 55 or 85 or 95 or 105 or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter. If you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you and you are therefore in Christ. Because if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you're not saved. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. If a man has not the Spirit of Christ, God does not own that man. If a man has the Spirit of Christ, then Christ owns him and he belongs to Christ. It's a glorious truth. For you and I who walk as believers in this life, this glorious truth is true. The Spirit of God indwells us. For those of us who are saved, it's not just the fact that you and I have had our sins forgiven, not just that we're redeemed and justified. God has given to you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower you and I to be sanctified. And it's true of every one of us who are saved. He indwells us. But it's also true that not everyone who is saved lives like it. And that's what Paul is discussing here. He's stating a doctrinal fact. That if you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're in Christ. And you're not in the flesh. But just because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we automatically live like it. Many a believer throughout history has the indwelling Holy Spirit but then has lived a carnal life. We saw Lot this morning. Righteous Lot who vexed, uh, sorry, Lot who vexed his righteous soul. He was a man who was saved but he lived a carnal life. So the reality is, everyone who is saved has this truth as a reality in their life. They are in Christ because the Spirit of God dwells in them. But not everybody who is saved lives like it, even though we ought to live like it. So having established the fact of the Spirit's indwelling, Paul goes on to outline again the dichotomy that exists between the flesh and the Spirit which is already addressed in the first part of this chapter, but now he wants to deal with it again. And he does so by way of the application of the life with the Spirit. Look in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. For if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwell, dwelleth in you. Notice it says, if Christ is in you, we have life. That is what it says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. is life because of righteousness. If Christ is in us, if we're saved, if we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then we have life. And if Christ be in you, if you're one of His, then you and I now have, on the one hand, the fact that the body is dead 
on account of sin, and on the other hand, the Spirit is life on account of righteousness. The unsaved person has no choice. They're in the flesh. And all they can do is do fleshly things. They can only achieve fleshly outcomes. They can only do that which the flesh would have them to do. They're in the flesh. But those of us who are saved, who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, the body is dead, it says, because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So on the one hand, for you and I who are saved, on the one hand, the body is dead. But on the other hand, you and I find that the Spirit, that we have life, because the Spirit of life is in us. Now these are the two old adversaries. The body or the flesh and the spirit. This battle between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul here once again repeats himself. As he has done in the past for emphasis because the body or the flesh has sin in it. And because the body and the flesh has sin in it, it is dead. Now the phrase it is dead here means it has no value. Because we know this body is very much alive. That's why we're alive. If this body was dead physically, you and I would be dead physically. Okay, because when somebody dies, it's this body that dies. This is what gets old. This is what deteriorates. This is what's put in the ground. So when he's talking about death here in this verse, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, he's talking about it in, in the spiritual sense. He's talking about it in relationship sense. He's trying to explain to you and I that it's dead on account of sin. It cannot produce anything of value. It cannot produce anything of life. But on the other hand, if Christ, by His Spirit, be in us, which He is because we're saved, then we have life. For He is life. That's what it says in verse 10. It says, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. He is life. And because He indwells in us, He gives us life. He has quickened us. And He alone is the source of our power for holy and godly living. The flesh, the body is dead. It cannot produce anything of value to God. But you and I can be thankful that dwelling within us is the Spirit of God and He is life. And He empowers you and I to live godly, holy lives. Now the truth is that we will get no help for godly living from the flesh. This old flesh is the remnant of the old nature. The old nature is dead, but the flesh remains. And this flesh craves fleshly things. And you and I will get no help for godly living from the flesh. If you and I want to entertain the appetite of the flesh, then you and I will simply live fleshly lives. 
And by the way, a lot of the appetite of the flesh may not be sinful in and of itself. But the flesh thrives on those things that are worldly. They may not be sinful. And if that becomes the controlling factor in our lives, then you and I will not live godly. We can't depend upon the flesh for godly living. For the body is dead because of sin. One commentator said this, it is to be considered as lifeless and inert so far as ability to produce fruit for God in our lives is concerned. The body is dead because of sin, as I said, not actually, but judicially. This body can do nothing to please God. Therefore, we're not to expect anything of it. You know, the truth is that a strong body does not necessarily mean a strong saint. Nor does a weak body and a feeble body mean a weak and feeble saint. Physical strength makes no difference to how spiritual you and I are. You can be the strongest person, you can be the healthiest person, you can be the most vibrant, physically alive person on the planet. But that does not make you a good saint. You may be the most sickly person that exists. You may spend most of your time in bed, unable to get out of the bed because your body is weak and frail, and yet you can be the most powerful saint on the planet. Because physical health, physical strength, does not determine what we are as believers. The body cannot produce anything of value. Now this is not to ignore or undervalue the body, for the body, of course, has also been purchased by the blood of Christ. Well, if we have fruitful lives, it's because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because that's what verse 10 says, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life. As you and I yield to the leading of the Spirit, He then produces in us life. That abundant life that John chapter 11 talks about. He came to give life and give it to us more abundantly and you and I can have the abundant, fulfilling life that Christ intends for you and I to have because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Note what verse 11 says. But if the Spirit of Him that raised of Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised of Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So, as I said, we don't want to ignore or undervalue the body and this statement about the the body is dead, the flesh is not going to aid you and I in doing anything spiritual. And yet verse 11 tells us that if the Spirit dwells in us, then we can have a fruitful life because of the Spirit. Now there are two possible ways of interpreting Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The first way to interpret this verse, that the, where it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies 
by the spirit that dwelleth in you. That phrase in particular shall quicken, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Firstly, the first possible way of interpreting this is the Holy Spirit as the, that life-giving force within us produces life in our sinful flesh, in our dead flesh as well. This flesh that you and I have, which is spiritually dead due to sin, verse 10 and also parts of verse uh, the rest of the chapter 8 and chapter 7, what it's saying here in this first way of interpreting is this, that this flesh, which is spiritually dead due to sin, can now actually be the vehicle of spiritual fruit due to the Spirit's indwelling in us. Because the Spirit indwells in us, because the Spirit is life through righteousness, then you and I can do acts of spiritual vibrancy, do things that are spiritually vibrant even in this dead body for the glory of God. Go to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. And commence to read in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with, all, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Tells us here, in verse 10, that we're to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So why? So we might be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. The indwelling Holy Spirit strengthens you and I so that you with all might, so that you and I might indeed live according to his glorious power, that you and I might have fruitful, beneficial lives. Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit within you and I, it's possible to bring glory to God even in these bodies that are dead because of sin. Now you and I need to remember, we can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the Spirit. If we walk after the flesh, it produces death. If you and I give in to fleshly lusts, if you and I give in to the fleshly desires, if you and I allow the flesh to rule our lives, the product of that is death. It's empty. It's pointless. It's of no value. But you and I are supposed to walk in the Spirit. And when you and I walk in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God quickens us, makes us alive, so that in these bodies we can now bring glory to God. We can produce fruit because He produces life in us. God wants us to produce life so that He, uh, so he has given to us the Holy Spirit to produce that life in us. You know, the Holy Spirit has given us the power to live for Him. Go with me to Second Peter, please. Second Peter, chapter one. 
and verse 3. According as his divine power, this is the Holy Spirit, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside all this, giving all diligence, <coughs> add your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and so on. It says there in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to you and I all things that pertain. Everything you and I need for life and godliness has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So these exceeding and great and precious promises, you and I might be partakers of the divine nature. And by partaking of the divine nature... You and I now have the power, because we're in Christ, to live for God. He has, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, given to us all that we need to please Him. Even though this old body, this flesh, is destined to die, and this flesh is destined, if the Lord doesn't come back first, this flesh is destined to go to the ground and to rot and dust to dust, and we're going to return to dust, and our bodies will rot, our bones will rot, and eventually if the time lasts long enough, you and I will no longer be found, no evidence of us. Even though this body is destined to die, and destined to be put in the ground, because of sin, God says, because He has given you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit, because we're the partakers of the divine nature, because you and I are in Christ, the Spirit of God now gives you and I life, gives life to that body which is dead, so that we might serve God. It's not as though you and I are lugging around this body day by day, and this body is useless for God's purposes. And everything we want to do for God has got to be done in the mind and in the heart, because the body is useless. And we're dragging around this old shell and it just is pointless. It can't do anything for God. It's true, it's dead. And if we live in the flesh, it will be produced dead works. But God says, I've given to you my indwelling Holy Spirit. You're partakers of the divine nature. You're in Christ. I've made you alive and I can even quicken that mortal body. I'll quicken it to enable you in the flesh to serve me. Romans 8.11 assures us that this empowering is possible because the same Spirit that raised up Christ dwells us. Look in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. <laughs> the same Spirit, the, the same power that rose Christ from the grave, the same power that gave Him life again, is the same power that indwells you and I. That's an amazing truth. You and I have living within us the Holy Spirit, and with Him comes the resurrection power. The power to resurrect Christ from the dead is the same power at our disposal to live for Him. And with that same power, He can enable this old dead flesh to honor God. Now, don't get excited. Nothing probably will. 
But you know, that's exciting for you and I as believers. He that raised Christ to life has the power to give life to you and I. He that restored Christ to life will restore spiritual life to you and me. And the argument here in verse 11 is founded in two things. It's founded in the power of God, which is the Spirit of God which raised up Christ from the dead, and on the connection that we have between Christ and us. Because you and I are in Christ, you and I have access to that resurrection power. John fourteen nineteen says, Because I live, Christ said, ye shall also live. Because I live, ye shall live also. Because Jesus Christ lives in us, the Spirit of God will live out of us His salvation through us, even through our mortal bodies. Notice in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says that the indwelling of the Spirit has quickened our mortal bodies so that we can now please Him in our bodies. Here the Apostle Paul gives to us some encouragement. If Christ's Spirit dwells in us, and it does, since we're saved, there is strength within us to live for Him. No believer can say, I do not have the strength to live for Christ. No matter how feeble our body might be, none of us can say that I do not have the strength, the spiritual strength to live for Christ because each and every one of us have the indwelling Holy Spirit and with that indwelling Holy Spirit, resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ to life is the same power that exists in you and me. We have the power at our disposal to live godly for Him, even in this flesh. If God's Spirit lives within us, then He has quickened us, He's made us alive, so that we might live for Him in these bodies. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is the idea that the indwelling Holy Spirit would be so evident in our lives, that His presence will be so evident in our lives, that He will make our lives productive for His glory. So the first possible meaning of Romans 8.11 is that the Holy Spirit produces life in our sinful, dead flesh. The second possible meaning of Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 where it says, there at the end in particular, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you is that it is referring to the resurrection of our bodies. It is possible that the, in this, it is possible that in view here is that time when you and I will be changed. When you and I will be glorified. That the same power which rose of Christ the dead is the same power that will raise these bodies to glory. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we having a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Here we have this glorious truth of the resurrection body. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 puts it this way, For our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like in his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And one day you and I are going to receive a glorified body. One day he will quicken these mortal bodies. We will, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we in which we're alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We shall all be changed. We're told in First Corinthians. This mortal shall put on immortality. So which of these two possible interpretations of Romans 8.11 is correct? Well, perhaps both are. But as the while in this body, the indwelling spirit will bring life where there is deadness. He will make the flesh produce spiritual fruit. But when he comes to take us home to glory when the time comes for you and I to leave this world he will bring about that great change and this corruptible will put on incorruption 1 Corinthians 15 please 1 Corinthians 15 verse 53 for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall have put in corruption and this mortal shall have put in immortality then shall be brought to pass the same that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast and move will always abound the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord Perhaps both are correct. That while we're here in this body, when you and I walk in the Spirit, He quickens us and makes us alive and he enables this old flesh to live godly for Him. But one day, total glorification will take place and you and I will see the corruption put an incorruption. Concomitator said this, here on earth, the Spirit's ministry preserves our mortal bodies, and His second coming will change them. What Paul is saying here is then that the Holy, the indwelling Holy Spirit, ought to make a difference in our body and in our flesh. That our walk, now that we're saved, ought to be empowered by His Spirit. 
But unfortunately, that's not always true for the saint. Many saints walk in the flesh. Many believers are carnal. Even though we don't have to be, even though we don't have to walk in the flesh, after the flesh, many believers do live there rather than pursuing the Spirit. Life in Christ ought to be an abundant life. It ought to be a righteous life. And because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, He makes it possible for you and I to live that abundant, fruitful life that brings glory to God if we but surrender to Him. You know, the secret to living a Christian life is not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's the Spirit who will quicken us. It's the Spirit who gives us strength to live. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the indwelling Holy Spirit alone is the agent of life. Daily we should yield to the Spirit's leading. For when we do, our lives will be fruitful. Our lives will be purposeful. Our lives will bring glory to God. Our lives will fulfill His purpose in us until He takes us home to glory. Beloved, we ought to praise God tonight that we're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And because the Spirit of God dwells in us, we can live our lives to His glory by His power day by day. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. Well, we know that he, uh, here you repeat yourself. Uh, but Lord, it seems obvious, to me at least, that the reason you repeat these truths is because these truths are so important. These truths can be so easily misunderstood. These truths are so vital to us having productive lives. Lives that, when we get to glory, we'll hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lives that when our works are judged, they will be as by fire. They will not be found to be wood, hay and stubble, but found to be gold, silver and precious stones. That Lord, we would live those empowered lives by the Spirit of God so that one day when we stand on heaven's shore, we might have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. Lord, we know that you spend so much time in your word, not just in Romans, but throughout the whole New Testament, explaining, Father God, to us this matter of walking in the Spirit. Lord, help us as believers to understand the truth, to surrender the Spirit, and allow Him to live out your life, your salvation in us, to your glory day by day. Commend your word to us now, we pray, and bless as we close with him. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing 171 as we close. Paul seeks to explain the kind of walk that you and I as believers ought to have. The kind of walk that you and I as saints ought to have. And he starts by stating emphatically that believers are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, verse 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. This is a categorical statement. If you're saved, you're not in the flesh, 
You're in the Spirit. That's a fact. We are we're not unsaved. We are saved and we ought to act like it. We ought not to walk after the flesh. That's his point here. The unsaved are in the flesh and they cannot please God. You and I who are saved are not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit and therefore we can please God. Why? As he goes on, he says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And the word if so be there is the can be translated also seeing, seeing that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Since the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the Apostle says, we are not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit. And since the Spirit of God dwells in us, we ought not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. As believers, you and I are not to walk fleshly walks, we're not to have a fleshly life, you and I are not to walk an empty, fruitless life. You and I are supposed to walk the life of the Spirit. And the reason for that is because the indwelling Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, is the distinguishing characteristic of the saved. The prerequisite, if you like, for being in the Spirit and not in the flesh is that you and I must have a presence, experience, of God's Holy Spirit indwelling us. Or to put it simply, we must be saved. In order for you and I to walk in the Spirit, then we must be saved. That's what he's saying in a roundabout way. In, in the words he says, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, with the Spirit of God dwell in you. If God's Spirit dwells in you, then you are saved. You're in the Spirit. And the word dwell here, in verse 9, as he goes on to say, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. The word dwell here is from the Greek word, which is for house. To walk after the spirit, we must first be the house of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here. You and I must be the house of the Holy Spirit. The apostle is saying that the spirit of God dwells in the Christian as a man lives or dwells in a certain place, in a home or in a house. At salvation, the moment you and I are saved, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, and from that moment we are in the Spirit. Our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We're bought with a price, and because we are His, the Spirit of God is, dwells in us. He's, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if then we are the house of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, and He does if you're saved, then we are in the Spirit. And Paul makes a final comment here in verse 9 to, to sum up this thought so that you and I clearly understand what he's talking about. Because he says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If 
A man does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he just is not saved. The distinguishing factor between being saved and unsaved is the indwelling Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God does not dwell within you, then you're not saved. If the Spirit of God dwells within you, then you're saved. The indwelling Holy Spirit is the definitive answer to whether we're saved or not. One commentator put it this way, the indwelling of the Spirit is the grand evidence of relation to God. It's the grand evidence that you and I are related to God, that you and I are in Christ. Now we need to understand here in verse 9 that the Apostle is describing every Christian. Every born-again believer is here. Any born-again believer is here. This is not some special group of people he's talking about. This is not talking about some elite group of saved people. This is talking about any born-again believer, anybody who's saved. The truth of the matter is the Spirit of God dwells in us. Whether you're five years of age or 55 or 85 or 95 or 105 or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter. If you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells within you and you are therefore in Christ. Because if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, then you're not saved. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If a man has not the Spirit of Christ, God does not own that man. If a man has the Spirit of Christ, then Christ owns him and he belongs to Christ. This is a glorious truth. For you and I who walk as believers in this life, this glorious truth is true. The Spirit of God indwells us. For those of us who are saved, it's not just the fact that you and I have had our sins forgiven, not just that we're redeemed and justified. God has given to you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit to empower you and I to be sanctified. And it's true of every one of us who are saved. He indwells us. But it's also true that not everyone who is saved lives like it. And that's what Paul is discussing here. He's stating a doctrinal fact that if you're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're in Christ, and you're not in the flesh. But just because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we automatically live like it. Many a believer throughout history has the indwelling Holy Spirit, but then has lived a carnal life. We saw Lot this morning. Righteous Lot who vexed, uh, sorry, Lot who vexed his righteous soul. He was a man who was saved, but he lived a carnal life. So the reality is, everyone who is saved has this truth as a reality in their life. They are in Christ because the Spirit of God dwells in them. But not everybody who is saved lives like it, even though we ought to live like it. So having established the fact of the Spirit's indwelling, Paul goes on to outline again the dichotomy that exists between the flesh and the Spirit. 
which he's already addressed in the first part of this chapter, but now he wants to deal with it again. And he does so by way of the application of the life with the Spirit. Look in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwell, dwelleth in you. Notice it says, if Christ is in you, we have life. That is what it says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. is life because of righteousness. If Christ is in us, if we're saved, if we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then we have life. And if Christ be in you, if you're one of His, then you and I now have, on the one hand, the fact that the body is dead on account of sin, and on the other hand, the Spirit is life on account of righteousness. The unsaved person has no choice. They're in the flesh. And all they can do is do fleshly things. They can only achieve fleshly outcomes. They can only do that which the flesh would have them to do. They're in the flesh. But those of us who are saved, who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, are in Christ. And if we're in Christ, the body is dead, it says, because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So on the one hand, for you and I who are saved, on the one hand, the body is dead. But on the other hand, you and I find that the Spirit, that we have life because the Spirit of life is in us. Now these are the two old adversaries. The body or the flesh and the Spirit. This battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And Paul here once again repeats himself as he has done in the past, for emphasis, because the body or the flesh has sin in it. And because the body and the flesh has sin in it, it is dead. Now the phrase that is dead here means it has no value. Because we know this body is very much alive. That's why we're alive. If this body was dead physically, you and I would be dead physically. Because okay, when somebody dies, it's this body that dies. This is what gets old. This is what deteriorates. This is what's put in the ground. So when he's talking about death here in this verse, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, he's talking about it in, in the spiritual sense. He's talking about it in relationship sense. He's trying to explain to you and I that it's dead on account of sin. It cannot produce anything of value. It cannot produce anything of life. But on the other hand, if Christ, by His Spirit, be in us, which He is because we're saved, then we have life. For He is life. That's what it says in verse 10. It says, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. He is life. 
And because He indwells in us, He gives us life. He has quickened us. And He alone is the source of our power for holy and godly living. The flesh, the body is dead. It cannot produce anything of value to God. But you and I can be thankful that dwelling within us is the Spirit of God and He is life. And He empowers you and I to live godly, holy lives. Now the truth is that we will get no help for godly living from the flesh. This old flesh is the remnant of the old nature. The old nature is dead, but the flesh remains. And this flesh craves fleshly things. And you and I will get no help for godly living from the flesh. If you and I want to entertain the appetite of the flesh, then you and I will simply live fleshly lives. And by the way, a lot of the appetite of the flesh may not be sinful in and of itself. But the flesh thrives on those things that are worldly, they may not be sinful, and if that becomes the controlling factor in our lives, then you and I will not live godly. We can't depend upon the flesh for godly living. For the body is dead because of sin. One commentator said this, it is to be considered as lifeless and inert so far as ability to produce fruit for God in our lives is concerned. The body is dead because of sin, as I said, not actually, but judicially. This body can do nothing to please God. Therefore, we're not to expect anything of it. You know, the truth is, the strong body does not necessarily mean a strong saint. Nor does a weak body and a feeble body mean a weak and feeble saint. Physical strength makes no difference to how spiritual you and I are. You can be the strongest person, you can be the healthiest person, you can be the most vibrant, physically alive person on the planets, but that does not make you a good saint. You may be the most sickly person that exists, you may spend most of your time in bed, unable to get out of the bed because your body is weak and frail, and yet you can be the most powerful saint on the planet. Because physical health, physical strength, does not determine what we are as believers. The body cannot produce anything of value. Now this is not to ignore or undervalue the body, for the body, of course, has also been purchased by the blood of Christ. Well, if we have fruitful lives, it's because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because that's what verse 10 says, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit is life. As you and I yield to the leading of the Spirit... He then produces in us life. That abundant life that John chapter 11 talks about. 
He came to give life and give it to us more abundantly and you and I can have the abundant, fulfilling life that Christ intends for you and I to have because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Note what verse 11 says. But if the Spirit of Him that raised of Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised of Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So, as I said, we don't want to ignore or undervalue the body and this statement about the the body is dead, the flesh is not going to aid you and I in doing anything spiritual. And yet verse 11 tells us that if the Spirit dwells in us, then we can have a fruitful life because of the Spirit. Now there are two possible ways of interpreting Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The first way to interpret this verse, that the, where it says, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. That phrase in particular, particular shall quicken, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Firstly, the first possible way of interpreting this is the Holy Spirit, as the, that life-giving force within us, produces life in our sinful flesh, in our dead flesh as well. This flesh that you and I have, which is spiritually dead due to sin, verse 10 and also parts of verse uh, the rest of the chapter 8 and chapter 7, what it's saying here in this first way of interpreting is this, that this flesh, which is spiritually dead due to sin, can now actually be the vehicle of spiritual fruit due to the Spirit's indwelling in us. Because the Spirit indwells in us, because the Spirit is life through righteousness, then you and I can do acts of spiritual vibrancy, do things that are spiritually vibrant even in this dead body for the glory of God. Go to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. And commence to read in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with, all, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Give me thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Tells us here, in verse 10, that we're to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So why? So we might be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that we might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. The indwelling Holy Spirit strengthens you and I so that you with all might, so that you and I might indeed live according to his glorious power, that you and I might have fruitful, beneficial lives. Because of the indwelling Holy Spirit within you and I, it's possible to bring glory to God even 
in these bodies that are dead because of sin. Now you and I need to remember, we can walk after the flesh or we can walk after the spirit. If we walk after the flesh, it produces death. If you and I give in to fleshly lusts, if you and I give in to the fleshly desires, if you and I allow the flesh to rule our lives, the product of that is death. It's empty. It's pointless. It's of no value. But you and I are supposed to walk in the Spirit. And when you and I walk in the Spirit, then the Spirit of God quickens us, makes us alive, so that in these bodies we can now bring glory to God. We can produce fruit because He produces life in us. God wants us to produce life so that He, uh, so He has given to us the Holy Spirit to produce that life in us. You know, the Holy Spirit has given us the power to live for Him. Go with me to Second Peter, please. Second Peter, chapter one. And verse 3. According as his divine power, this is the Holy Spirit, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Beside all this, giving all diligence, <coughs> add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and so on. It says there in verse 3, According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to you and I all things that pertain. Everything you and I need for life and godliness has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So these exceeding and great and precious promises, you and I might be partakers of the divine nature. And by partaking of the divine nature, you and I now have the power, because we're in Christ, to live for God. He has, with the indwelling Holy Spirit, given to us all that we need to please Him. Even though this whole body, this flesh, is destined to die, and this flesh is destined, if the Lord doesn't come back first, this flesh is destined to go to the ground and to rot, and dust to dust, and we're going to return to dust, and our bodies will rot, our bones will rot, and eventually if the time lasts long enough, you and I will no longer be found, no evidence of us. Even though this body is destined to die, and destined to be put in the ground, because of sin. God says, because He has given you and I the indwelling Holy Spirit, because we're the partakers of the divine nature, because you and I are in Christ, the Spirit of God now gives you and I life, gives life to that body which is dead, so that we might serve God. It's not as though you and I are lugging around this body day by day and this body is useless for God's purposes. And everything we want to do for God has got to be done in the mind and in the heart because the body is useless. And we're dragging around this old shell and it just is pointless. It can't do anything for God. It's true, it's dead. And if we live in the flesh, it will be produced dead works. 
God says, I've given to you my indwelling Holy Spirit. You'll partake of the divine nature. You're in Christ. I've made you alive and I can even quicken that mortal body. I'll quicken it to enable you in the flesh to serve me. Romans 8.11 assures us that this empowering is possible because the same Spirit that raised up Christ dwells us. Look in verse 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. The same Spirit, the, the same power that rose Christ from the grave, the same power that gave him life again, is the same power that indwells you and I. That's an amazing truth. You and I have living within us the Holy Spirit and with him comes the resurrection power. The power to resurrect Christ from the dead is the same power at our disposal to live for him. And with that same power, he can enable this old dead flesh to honour God. Now, don't get excited. Nothing probably will. But, you know, that's exciting for you and I as believers. He that raised Christ to life has the power to give life to you and I. He that restored Christ to life will restore spiritual life to you and me. And the argument here in verse 11 is founded in two things. It's founded in the power of God which is the Spirit of God which raised up Christ from the dead, and on the connection that we have between Christ and us. Because you and I are in Christ, you and I have access to that resurrection power. John fourteen nineteen says, Because I live, Christ said, ye shall also live. Because I live, ye shall live also. Because Jesus Christ lives in us, the Spirit of God will live out of us His salvation through us, even through our mortal bodies. Notice in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says that the indwelling of the Spirit has quickened our mortal bodies so that we can now please Him in our bodies. Here the Apostle Paul gives to us some encouragement. If Christ's Spirit dwells in us, and it does, since we're saved, there is strength within us to live for Him. No believer can say, I do not have the strength to live for Christ. No matter how feeble our body might be, none of us can say that I do not have the strength, the spiritual strength to live for Christ because each and every one of us have the indwelling Holy Spirit and with that indwelling Holy Spirit, resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ to life is the same power that exists in you and me. We have the power at our disposal to live godly for Him even in this flesh. If God's Spirit lives within us, then He has quickened us, He's made us alive so that we might live for Him in these bodies. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up 
in Him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. This is the idea that the indwelling of the Spirit would be so evident in our lives, that His presence will be so evident in our lives, that He will make our lives productive for His glory. So the first possible meaning of Romans 8.11 is that the Holy Spirit produces life in our sinful, dead flesh. The second possible meaning of Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 where it says, there at the end in particular, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you, is that it is referring to the resurrection of our bodies. It is possible that the, in this, it is possible that in view here is that time when you and I will be changed, when you and I will be glorified. That the same power which rose up Christ from the dead is the same power that will raise these bodies to glory. Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we having a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Here we have this glorious truth of the resurrection body. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 puts it this way, For our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like in his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And one day you and I are going to receive a glorified body. One day he will quicken these mortal bodies. We will, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we in which alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We shall all be changed. We're told in First Corinthians. This mortal shall put on immortality. So which of these two possible interpretations of Romans 8.11 is correct? Well, perhaps both are. That is, the while in this body, the indwelling spirit will bring life where there is deadness. He will make the flesh produce spiritual fruit. But when he comes to take us home to glory, when the time comes for you and I to leave this world, he will bring about that great change, and this corruptible will put on incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15, please. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
So when this corruptible shall upon incorruption, and this mortal shall upon immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abound the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Perhaps both are correct. That while we're here in this body, when you and I walk in the Spirit, He quickens us and makes us alive and enables this old flesh to live godly for Him. But one day, total glorification will take place and you and I will see the corruption put an incorruption. Concomitant said this, here on earth the Spirit's ministry preserves our mortal bodies and His second coming will change them. What Paul is saying here is then that the Holy, an indwelling Holy Spirit ought to make a difference in our body and in our flesh. That our walk, now that we're saved, ought to be empowered by His Spirit. But unfortunately, that's not always true for the saint. Many saints walk in the flesh. Many believers are carnal. Even though we don't have to be, even though we don't have to walk in the flesh, after the flesh, many believers do live there rather than pursuing the Spirit. Life in Christ ought to be an abundant life. It ought to be a righteous life. And because of the indwelling Holy Spirit, He makes it possible for you and I to live that abundant, fruitful life that brings glory to God if we but surrender to Him. You know, the secret to living a Christian life is not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's the Spirit who will quicken us. It's the Spirit who gives us strength to live. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit. And the indwelling Holy Spirit alone is the agent of life. Daily we should yield to the Spirit's leading. For when we do, our lives will be fruitful. Our lives will be purposeful. Our lives will bring glory to God. Our lives will fulfill His purpose in us until he takes us home to glory. Beloved, we ought to praise God tonight that we're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And because the Spirit of God dwells in us, we can live our lives to his glory, by his power, day by day. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans. Well, we know that he, uh, he, you repeat yourself. Uh, but Lord, it seems obvious to me at least that the reason you repeat these truths is because these truths are so important. These truths can be so easily misunderstood. These truths are so vital to us having productive lives. Lives that when we get to glory we'll hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lives that when our works are judged, they will be as by fire. 
that will not be found to be wood, hand, stove, but found to be gold, silver and precious stones. That Lord, we would live those empowered lives by the Spirit of God so that one day when we stand on heaven's shore, we might have crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. Lord, we know that you spend so much time in your word, not just in Romans, but throughout the whole New Testament, explaining, Father God, to us this matter of walking in the Spirit. Lord, help us as believers to understand the truth, to surrender the Spirit, and allow Him to live out your life, your salvation in us, to your glory day by day. Commend your word to us now, we pray, and bless as we close with him. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing 171 as we close.